Welcome to the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee Billett. If you employ staff, engage contractors, or rely on people to help deliver your products or services, you're in the right place. Join us each week as we dive in to uncover what makes people tick, learn the best strategies and tactics to build an amazing team, and most importantly, discover how you, the business owner or leader, can unleash the power of your people to help create the successful business you deserve. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to episode number 88 of the People Powered Business Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Lee, and welcome back to a brand new week and a brand new episode here on the podcast. I hope it's a fabulous week, whatever you're up to, and I really hope that you are going to enjoy today's episode of the podcast. Today, we have another special guest on the podcast, and in fact, this is a returning guest, and I think I'm right in saying this is the first time We've had a returning guest here on the podcast, so that's a little bit exciting. Today, we're going to be joined by Juliet Robinson from Big Goals. Juliet is a leadership and change management expert, and we've had Juliet here on the podcast before talking about um, trust in our hybrid teams. Juliet shared her expertise as we navigated our way through the entire COVID situation when it came to um, really transitioning our businesses from in-person teams to remote teams, then into this hybrid model that many businesses have have now settled on. And in that previous episode, we talked about really how important it is to build trust and the challenge that comes with that when it comes to hybrid teams specifically, because some of those usual ways that we naturally build trust in our in-person teams of course, had disappeared. So that's the chat we had previously uh, here on the podcast. And I have Juliet back with us here today on the podcast once again, really, because we have some very exciting news that I wanted to share with you listeners. Juliet and myself have a brand new podcast that we have recently released and are co-hosting together. And the discussion I'm bringing to you today is an episode from that podcast that I thought your listeners would really enjoy uh, tapping into as well. So the new podcast I'm referring to is called Grow Your Influence and it's leadership conversations for business owners and managers. So whether you own a business and have a team or leadership is just part of the role, Grow Your Influence is a great podcast for you to be listening to. So we, it's a fortnightly podcast and really our promise is there'll be no corporate jargon, no textbook ideologies. It's really a very casual chat of real life experience that Juliet and I are seeing with our clients, are experiencing ourselves in our businesses or have seen uh, throughout our careers. And we just chat it out, really. It's very relaxed. It's very casual. Um, and we don't take ourselves too seriously. Our goal is to help you be your best boss and to lead your team with confidence, clarity, and control. Because here's the thing, when it comes to our people and it comes to leading our businesses, we need to have the ability to influence people, to influence them, to come in the direction we want them to to move towards, to do the things we need them to do, to be engaged in our businesses, to show up as their best employee. That requires us to have some skill and influence. And so the Grow Your Influence podcast is focused on helping you as business owners and leaders to achieve exactly that. And the reason I wanted to share this particular conversation with you today is one of the conversations we had over on that podcast was around dealing with difficult people at work. 
And really interestingly, when I recently um, held our free workshop, Build Your Winning Team, which many of you were part of, I asked all of the participants one really simple question. What's the biggest pain point or challenge you're having right now that I can help you with during this workshop? And do you know what the most common response was? Hands down, this would have been 90% of the responses. I have a difficult employee or the more extreme version was I have a toxic employee or a toxic team even. How do I fix that? How do I bring them around? How do I get them to do what I need them to do when we're in a spiral of negativity? These were the exact words that some of you told me were your biggest challenges right now. So I thought it would be great to share this conversation that Juliet and I had over at the Grow Your Influence podcast because we talked about exactly this, dealing with difficult people at work. And Juliet, being the leadership guru that she is, she had some really great strategies about how we can manage (laughs) and deal with difficult people. So I thought it would be something that would interest you. I know it's a pain point for many of you. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Juliet Robinson on how to deal with difficult people at work. Juliet, hello. We're back again for another episode. How are you? Hi, Christy Lee. I'm fine. How are you going? Yeah, super awesome today. Thank you. Because I am excited about today's topic because I get asked about this a lot and no doubt you do as well. Yeah. Today we're talking about difficult people at work, difficult performers, difficult employees, possibly even difficult managers, and how we how we deal with difficult people at work. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly had experiences with challenging individuals at work. What about you? Totally. I And similarly, this is the thing people talk to me probably about the most, whether it is a difficult manager or difficult team member or whatever it is. This is because I think so often we're just trying to avoid conflict. So we don't want to deal with difficult people. So we avoid them. Years ago, I worked with an organisation and they talked about dressing people up for export. So instead of dealing with a difficult person, they would talk them up to their colleagues and get them transferred into another department. Oh my god, that is I insane! Know, I know, and so, it's, it, but it's so awful, isn't it? Because then your colleagues get this difficult person, um, and it's just incredible that you've passed them on to them. I just, yeah, so much wrong with the picture. It's so bad. I was talking to a client this week, and she was sharing a very challenging, she had a very difficult staff member on her hands. Mm. And she shared with me that the reference check she got for her when she hired her was absolutely glowing. And oh. she ran into someone, because they're in a regional area, of just a few weeks after hiring this person, and they said, I can't believe you hired that person. They are terrible. Oh, gosh. We couldn't wait to get rid of them. And she said, your boss told me that they were amazing. Mm. And, and she said, oh, she just wanted to make sure she left. And I yes. thought that is so, I, I think we have a, an obligation as people in business to be accurate and honest with other business owners because we don't yes. want to be shipping bad people around. No, but it's also, I I think what we're doing there is rewarding bad behaviour as well. Of course, yeah. And I think this is what I see so often in teams. Because we avoid dealing with a difficult person, the team is watching and what they see is somebody's behaving badly and not only is no one dealing with it, but sometimes they get rewarded because they get promoted or 
you know, moved somewhere or given special responsibilities so that they, you know, are sidelined. But people, what you hear is, well, why am I bothering? Yes. When somebody who behaves really badly is being Just, treated in this way and, there, and there's no consequence for that bad behaviour. Absolutely. All it does is undermine all of your top performers because they're not yes. going to be engaged. Yeah. You'll lose good people because no totally. one wants to work in an environment where poor behaviour is tolerated, let alone rewarded. Yeah. Um, so it just creates the flow-on effect. It's You're not, not dealing with one person. You're creating bigger issues for your whole team, which is, uh, I guess, a side effect most people don't think about when they're totally just avoiding agree. something. So let's yeah. talk about what well, difficult think, uh, yeah. actually means. I mean, because it's a big term. Difficult is, there's lots of difficult. It is. What are, what are the yes. different types of difficult that you've seen? Oh, gosh. So I think difficult can be people who withhold information, people who um, are openly negative or, um, you know, gossiping around the office, that sort of thing, putting other people down. Mm-hmm. I see people who just don't do what they're committed to do. So in terms of delivering on their role in a team, mm-hmm. just don't. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I see people lying in yeah. teams, mm. you know, and pe- and others in the team know that they're lying, but again, there's no consequence for it, so they just keep doing it. Yeah, and I think mm. what about other, you? What have you seen? Yeah, I think I see all of those things. I see mm. um, people making total dramas out of nothing just to get attention and, and be yes. challenging. Yeah. And I think one of the ones that I see most often, and it is one of the trickiest ones that I've you know, see to manage is the people who just are borderline. They're definitely below the line performers and below the line employees, but they just get, they're not doing anything wrong enough that you can easily pinpoint it or that you can easily performance manage it, but they're not getting things done. They're very quick to have an excuse. There's an excuse for absolutely everything that ever happens. They want credit just for showing up on time. Um, so they're not doing anything wrong, but they're certainly not doing anything very right either. And these are the ones that I think are sometimes trickiest because it's hard to pinpoint exactly where the problem is. I think that's so true. And I think it's interesting um, because as a leader, you want to have those conversations with them. But you're right, when they're just on that line, yes, you can, uh, when you go to have a conversation, they can be the sort of, well, what do you mean? Yes. You know? They make you feel like you're crazy. Yes, that sort of gaslighting you in a sense. Yes, yes. Because I'm doing my job. Yes. You know, and I think this is where it's so important that we define not just the outcomes we expect people to produce but the behaviours we expect of team members as well. And I think so often this gets neglected mm. in smaller businesses, in, in large, even in larger organisations. They sometimes completely forget to do this. But I think this whole idea of defining your values and then saying this is the behaviour we expect is part of this process. It helps you address this process, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think behaviour is how we determine culture. And if we're tolerating behaviour that is not in line with what we want our culture to be like, we're letting our employees dictate the culture of our business and particularly our difficult employees dictate our culture, which is... One of my pet peeves is seeing business owners 
have no control in their business because their team have taken control and, and the business has become something they're a slave to and not the other way around. Yeah. And it's often because they haven't wanted to deal with difficult behaviours or difficult people. And we all know what it's like when you've got a toxic person at work or a difficult person at work, they're often very good at getting other people on their side. So one difficult person suddenly becomes four difficult people and, and the, the energy really shifts in that direction. So I've definitely seen that and I it really bugs me when that happens. And I think it's that whole, you know, there is no culture new culture neutral behavior. That's very hard to say. That's tricky, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is I think even doing nothing mm. contributes to your culture because as you say, then people who are difficult start to own and drive the culture. Yes. And 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 this is this whole thing about boss watching. Mm. You know, when your team are watching you to see what you do and you do nothing. Yeah then you breathe this sort of, well, why would I bother then? Why am I going above and beyond when they're not and they're fine? So, Absolutely. You know. And what your team hate most is inaction. They would rather see you take some action yes. that isn't right and then having to course correct or at least try to deal with an issue than yeah. doing nothing at all. Nothing undermines trust and engagement and motivation faster than mm. inaction, I think. Mm. I think it's also interesting Um Patrick Lencioni talks about this in terms of holding each other accountable. He talks about, you know, really a high-performing, really effective team is where team members will hold each other accountable. Yes, yes. Where they'll call each other on bad behaviour and things, but they'll only do it if they know that the leader would do it. Of course, yeah. So the more they know the leader would do it, the more they'll just do it because they can. But if they don't think the leader would do it, then they're not going to do it either. They're not going to put their neck out there to yeah. have that conversation if they don't think that that would be something the leader would do or that the leader yes. would support as well. So, yeah. yeah, you've got to create that lead by example if you want to create a culture where that is going to be commonplace as well. I think so. So in terms of dealing with a difficult person, one of the things I think is really important is just understanding what's going on for them. Oh, so and true. I think so often we skip this step. Um, you know, so having that conversation, A, that talks about the impact of their behaviour, mm-hmm. but B, that asks the question about, you know, what do you think? What's going on here mm-hmm. that's driving this? Yeah. Seek first to understand. And, yes. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who that quote comes from. I can't remember now. But um, No, not can I. <laughs> no. Stephen Covey, maybe? And then, sure. and then to be understood. Seek yes. first to understand and then to be understood. Yes. Exactly. And you, you have to do that. And some of the yeah, best I leaders so. I've worked with, we're very good at doing that. No matter the circumstance, they would always seek first to understand. They would have the conversation, try and figure out what was going yeah. on because it, it could be a number of things. It could be mm. that um, there's a lack of communication. There could be something going on personally. There mm. could be a disengagement issue. They're, they're just not feeling it right now. How can we address that? Because yeah. once you know what the reasons why and what's going on, that's going to tell you how you need to take action to deal with it and to help course correct. But if you don't know, it's just like throwing, you know, stuff at a wall and hoping something's going to stick. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think what I see often is that people who are behaving badly don't necessarily understand the impact of their behaviour because they're sometimes in this zone of just, um, you know, for themselves they're feeling stuck. Yes. Or um, they're struggling with something and they're very focused on themselves at that point. Mm-hmm. And when someone points out the impact of their behaviour, that can help shift them whichever way, but at least it stops them from being stuck in that behaviour. 
Yeah, exactly. And you've got to be able to have communication, I think, that is solutions focused, that is going to provide some kind of pathway out of this situation because sitting down and just saying, this is terrible, this is what's going on, and talking about the circumstance on itself doesn't give any future direction. You've got to be ready to say, we're going to draw a line in the sand and here's what we're going to do next, or let's take these steps. But there's got to be a solution in mind, I think. I think so too, but I think you've got to start with that. When you do this, this is what happens yeah. and this is why it matters. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole and then from there go, well, you know, how do you want to change this? What are we going to do about it? Um, you know, what are your, what's your plan to change this? Exactly. They've got to be part um, of that discussion because if they're not taking ownership for what the action is going to be, they're never going to be invested in doing it. Um, That's exactly right. When we're talking to them about the why, which is a huge part of the conversation we've got to have, why is this important? Why is this impacting people? How is this showing up? Trying to tie it into something that you know intrinsically matters to them. And for many people, they're more concerned about letting their colleagues down than their managers down or than some third-party supplier down. If they think they're letting their peer in the next cubicle or next to them at the workstation down, they're going to be much more impacted by that than you saying to them, you're letting us down or the business down or our suppliers down. So it's really understanding what motivates that person. Are they a team player? Are they, you know, are they caring about that team? Or are they after individual pursuit? Because in that case, telling them how it impacts the team is going to make very little difference to them. But telling them how it's going to impact their future trajectory in the business, their growth, their potential for advancement, they're going to care a little bit more about that. Yeah. I think that's so true. And when you understand the drivers, yeah. For, for individuals, yeah. you're halfway there, aren't you, really? Oh, um, absolutely, And when you yeah. open that conversation, most people know when they're behaving badly, yeah. in my experience. You know, um, it's just sometimes they're waiting to be called on it. Yeah. They're waiting to see how far they can push the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and sometimes people, you know, aren't they, they know they're behaving badly but they're not conscious of the impact it's having so you're right it needs to be about why the why why yeah. are you doing this yeah absolutely um, and I think what a big trap that I see is people avoid having conversations with difficult people at work because uh, it's uncomfortable it's awkward they spend nights awake stressing about it which is exactly what a client said to me just last week yeah. awake all night stressing about this but the actual doing of having the conversation, they would rather have more sleepless nights than put it off. And that is the worst thing you could do. Well, I see, yeah. Look, I see that happen so often that people, and they say to me, um, I, I've been putting it off all week or all month, whatever. Yes. So finally at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon they decide to have this conversation. <laughs> or they do it in a really inappropriate way when somebody responds to something in the middle of everybody else, you know. Um, and it all just goes wah and comes out yeah. as a sort of you must and you haven't and, you know, which is just so unhelpful to everybody and isn't yes. going to change the behaviour of the difficult person. So, and I think you're right, and even I see people having these conversations just before they break up for Christmas, <laughs> you know, so they've put it off for months at this point. They've even avoided Friday afternoons and it gets to, you know, the 19th of December or something and they're sort of like, Oh God, I've just got to do it before we go away. So they have this conversation and again it all just comes out. Wow. Yeah. And then Absolutely. everyone goes on holidays for three weeks. 
Yeah, and yeah. and you, people do that because they think, oh, then I won't have to see them for three weeks and maybe they've forgotten by the time yes. I get back. Yes, maybe they'll have sorted it out or something. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I, think, I think that's an interesting point. The one thing that we know for sure, and you will agree with this, I'm certain, things aren't going to suddenly change if you ignore it. They're not going to change their behaviour, suddenly get better, suddenly become no. more pleasable to work around. All they're doing, as you said, is pushing boundaries and testing tolerances. So by ignoring it and thinking maybe it'll change, it's not going to change. What was your saying? We talked about in another episode about the behaviour you tolerate. Oh, yes. The um, the behaviour you demand is what you get and the behaviour you, you tolerate, well, now I've forgotten it, is... Um, so have I. But basically, if you tolerate it, it's what you end up with, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. uh, Oh, yeah. You you get what you demand and you encourage what you tolerate. Yes. That's it. And that's it. And with a difficult person or a poor performer, when you tolerate that behaviour, you do encourage it. Yeah. Because, well, why wouldn't I do this? Why should I come in at 9 if coming in at 9.30 makes no difference. Exactly. You know, if I'm not delivering and nobody's saying anything, I'll just keep not delivering until somebody tells me that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we know that we have to deal with these people and we can't yeah. put the conversations off. So what are some tips or frameworks we can give people? I think you pointed out a really good one. Get the timing and the location of the meeting right and do not yeah. do it at four on a Friday. In fact, do not do it at four on any afternoon would be yes. my advice. Yes. It's a good meeting to get out of the way in the morning, let the dust settle, do some recapping through the day if you need to. But mm-hmm. um, for, for a million reasons, four o'clock on a Friday is a terrible time to do these meetings. Totally. Yeah. As is the kitchen a bad place to have these meetings. It, yeah. Even though you just think, oh, just take advantage of this moment. Get a meeting room, get some mm. private space, set a, set some time aside. And I think letting them know that you need to talk to them about possibly some issues you're having or something you've noticed that you're concerned about, letting them know that they're walking into a meeting that is, you know, yeah. serious. Yeah. I think this becomes more difficult when we're working virtually. Yeah. Because you quite often are going to have to have these meetings without being face-to-face. But I think however you have it, Make sure you can see one another. Don't have this meeting on the phone. Absolutely. Certainly don't put all this stuff in an email. You know, have it at the very least on on a Zoom or whatever so you can see one another. Yeah. Because I think that's really important. I also think just plan it out. I think so often what I see is people go into these conversations because they're uncomfortable about it, they're a bit nervous or anxious about it, so they don't really plan what they want to get out of the meeting. So true. And having an idea about what the ideal resolution is before you walk yes. in, but yes. also being prepared to listen and possibly yeah. change that. Sure. But having some idea about what you want the outcome of this meeting to be, because the outcome shouldn't mm-hmm. be, I've told them how terrible they are. Absolutely. That's not <laughs> yes. No, 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 totally. I think also what I see sometimes is if you don't plan it, what's hap- what happens is it comes out as a sort of oh, hi, how are you going? Oh, you're doing a great job at this or that, you know. And so it becomes a confusing conversation because we don't want to offend people, we don't want to upset them. We're still trying to avoid conflict even though we've got them in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And if we've planned it, we know we're going to say, I need to talk to you about this. You know, when you do this, this is the problem that's happening and this is the impact it's having. Mm -hmm. You know, talk to me about what's going on here. That sort of stuff, you're really clear about it. 
instead of waffling on yeah. or maybe yeah. praising some aspect of their work and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, so, definitely. And if, if it helps you to write a script, do that or just have some bullet points. I know I've worked with a manager in the past and he acknowledges that he struggles at these meetings. These are not his natural skill set. He finds yeah. them very uncomfortable. And he always asks me to write a script and he will say to them, I want to make sure I communicate this clearly with you. Mm. And so I'm going to read from this script first and then open a discussion because he knows, wow. and I've seen him do it yeah. in meetings, that as soon as he's let loose on his own, he just, because he, he's so uncomfortable and hates hurting people's feelings, he just starts waffling and then says things that confuse yeah. the message because he kind yeah. of contradicts what we really need to say. Um, but I love his self-awareness to say, write me a script and he says yeah. it to the staff, I'm going to read this from the script and then we're going to start a conversation because I want to make sure I get this right. And I think that takes real I, I love, yes, I, uh, and I love that he has the self-awareness to do that. Yes. I think that because that's what I see so often is the conversation gets confused by the waffle, by them trying not to offend somebody while still trying to deal with difficult behaviour. Yeah. A, year, a few years ago now I was um, at coaching just quite by coincidence, coaching two managers who were, one came from Scandinavia and one came from Germany and they're running teams in Australia now. And I was talking to both of them at, at different stages, but within the space of a week about having difficult conversations. And both of them almost told me exactly the identical things. So I was sort of like, what is the problem with Australians? You know, they would say <laughs> at home, if somebody's not doing their job, you say to them, this is your job. You're not doing your job. Yep. Do your job. This is what I expect. Yeah. And they both said, you know, if you say that here, people get so upset and, you know, there's tears and they're offended. So <laughs> interesting. Culturally, yeah. this is just, this is a difficult area for us. Yeah. And I think we really do need to, if we do whatever you need to do, as you say, write the script if you need to, yep. plan it out in however you need to do mm -hmm. to make it work because I do think culturally this is just not something we're terribly good at. No, we, we like everyone to be friendly and mates and we like to, we mm -hmm. don't believe in dobbing and this feels a bit like that. So yes. I think there's a lot of cultural stuff caught up here, I agree. So mm -hmm. I think... So I think setting up the right time and place for the meeting, framing up the meeting, this is what you need to speak to them about, this yeah. is why, this is the impact it's having, and then opening up that discussion, like you said, about tell me what's going on for you. Tell me yes. how, you know, why this is a challenge or what's happening to cause this or your experience, and then moving into what are we going to do next? What yes. do you want to see happen? This is what I need to see happen. How can we make that work? And making that a discussion, not a direction necessarily. Absolutely. So lots of questions and I think a lot of listening. Yeah. So a lot less. Once you've put the, the issue out there, I think it's incumbent on us to sit back and listen a whole lot mm. more. Yeah. And my final point would be follow-up. I think yes. so often what I see is they have the conversation, they go, oh, thank God I've done that. Tick, I've had that conversation. We can move on to something nice now. Yep. Whereas the reality is we need to say, let's come back and talk about this in two weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Let's set a date now because I want to follow up. I want to make sure that we're back on track or yep. whatever it is. Absolutely. But keep following up. Don't just treat it as a one-off, I think, is really important as well. 
Yeah, so important. And when you get out of that meeting, I would even put it in writing, put it in an email. Thank you for for chatting with me. This is what we discussed. This is what we decided we'd do next. And here's when we're meeting again, like we decided and agreed, um, and this is where we should be at that time in in this process. So there's no confusion about because when we're talking verbally with our employees, even though we think something may have been crystal clear, there's every chance that because it was hard to hear that maybe they haven't absorbed it fully or they forget part of it. So it's just always good to Mm -hmm. afterwards put it in writing. It can be quite informal if you want it to. And I always, you know, like to think about checking up on them, you know, later that day or the next morning when they've had a bit more time to process and digest and just say, how are you going after our conversation? Is there anything you're concerned about? And just giving them an opportunity to say, "I, I don't understand what's required. I don't understand what went wrong or I'm not sure that I can deliver on that plan. Just give them some opportunity. I think also, you know, if they do at that point say, well, I was a bit blindsided and I don't, now that I've thought about it, I don't really agree or that sort of thing, gives you a chance to come back and be really objective about the behaviour and the impact and go through that again. Yes. So, you know, um, because I've seen that happen too. Yeah. I think my final point on all of that would be, and you're right, checking up with them is great. I would also be trying to um, give positive feedback across the team mm-hmm. and publicly. So recognising people doing it well or doing the right things yes. because I think that's incredibly powerful. And when people see not only that you're watching and you are interested in what they're doing but that you're recognising when they do good stuff, Yeah. I think that's incredibly motivating and sometimes, not always, but sometimes for difficult people, it can be really powerful for them to see that you're recognising other people's good mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. You know, they and, and maybe that. they want a bit of that, you yeah. know, maybe that's where they want to be. Yeah. I think it's so, important because I think sometimes we forget to yes. actually say those things, to say, you know, thank you for meeting that deadline or pushing to get that yes. done or I really appreciate that you looked after that client so well. It doesn't have yes. to be a grand improvement or change that they've made it Mm. it can be just doing their job really really well totally yeah absolutely and I think the more we do that the more we help build really positive stuff in the team as well yeah which is so important and I think for managers one thing that I'd like to leave you with as well is when you're in those meetings and this is something that I've seen people really struggle with drop the emotion stay very calm and objective although you may be feeling very emotional about it and angry potentially Keep the emotion to the side because it actually makes the meeting a lot harder when it's fueled with emotion and you'll yeah. get an emotional response from the employee rather than a calm and objective response. Mm-hmm. And don't feel that you need to cover up every moment of silence by talking because the silence is when the employee is processing. Oh, totally. I think we need a whole episode on silence, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be an interesting episode to be quiet. <laughs> But, yeah, that power of that pause. No, but I think you're right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. As long as you're not using it to sort of intimidate, I think silence is incredibly powerful. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Um, Yes. Look, there's so much more we could talk about on this, so I think we should pick up various aspects of this in other episodes because I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky one and I think it's one we've all grappled with at some point. And I think because we're not great at conflict usually, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot to be said there. I mean, the last thing I would say too is that if people are emotional, um, it's, 
is to give them a give them time. So because I see people use tears or shouting or whatever, and sometimes you just need to say, I can see this. This is a really difficult thing for you. Or you're feeling really strongly about it. Let's take five minutes. Yes. You know, let's just take five minutes, go for a walk, do whatever you need to do, and then let's meet back here. But don't make it an, an excuse to not have the conversation. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, there, you're right. There is so much to unpack here. We will definitely do more episodes on various aspects of this topic because I think it's going to be one that gets lots of interest. Let's do that. And look, if you've got comments, um, put them in the Facebook group. So we'd love to hear from you and hear what your experience has been and whether you have tips for dealing with these situations or from your experience how you've dealt with them. Yeah. Um, we can keep that conversation going too. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. What a wonderful chat, Julia. I love this topic and no doubt we will talk more about it again on a future episode. Definitely. Thanks, Christy Lee. Lovely to talk. Isn't it always fun uh, when you get to hear someone else's perspective about these things, especially someone, I guess, that does this kind of thing for a living? I know as small business owners, we can often get caught up in our own heads about how do we deal with these people? Why won't they just listen? Why can't they think like me? And we can find ourselves going around in circles. So I really loved unpacking that particular topic uh, with Juliet uh, and getting her expertise and valuable insights around dealing with difficult people in our workplaces. So I really hope you enjoyed uh, that discussion that I've brought you here with Juliet today. Now, if you did enjoy that chat, and if you'd like to hear more of those kinds of chats, I'd love for you to subscribe to the Grow Your Influence podcast. You can subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at peoplepoweredbusiness.com episode number 88. Uh, But wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you loved the sound of that, go ahead and search for the Grow Your Influence podcast, co-hosted by Juliet Robinson and myself, Christy Lee Billet. Um, We'd love you to subscribe um, and have an extra podcast to listen to on your regular podcast listening cycle. Thanks so much for joining me here today on the podcast. I'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the People Powered Business Podcast. Have a fabulous week.